to sign up for our announcements, send a blank email to radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. That's radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Well, good afternoon, everybody in the ACB community and in our Zoom room. Thank you for taking this opportunity on this lovely day to spend time with us talking about one of my favorite subjects, It's National Volunteer Month of April. There is a designated week from April 18th, but you know what? We need to celebrate it beyond a week and have it for the whole month per my calendar. Also, I want to dedicate today's show to my great abuela, Maria Teresa Diaz. She um, passed away seven years ago, and she was my reason why I ever volunteered. From a very young age of eight or nine, I remember her taking me to feed the homeless, give bottles, um, do anything I can to improve my community. Um, She always had me volunteer doing fundraising to help with medical clinics and anything to do, help thy neighbor. That was my grandmother saying. So at this time, what I'd like to do is introduce everybody on the crew. As you know, my name is Terry Suarez. I am your critical care respiratory therapist that lives in Claremont, Florida, and just loves doing this call to help improve our advocacy and awareness of our community and just help you every day that I can. Darrow, how are you today? Oh, I'm, I'm well, Terry. I'm actually broadcasting from outside. I'm sitting outside in the sun. It's the ultimate high-tech physics. Wow, Darrow. I know you're outside appreciating this beautiful weather in Connecticut. As our 911 dispatcher, we cannot hear you. <laughs> so hopefully you can hear us and you can maybe get back on the bandwidth. Jay, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing very good. And I come with 19 years of being on the uh, fire department, being a uh, firefighter, paramedic, diver, engineer, and also working at the hospital as an orderly. Awesome, Jay. We're so excited to have you here today. Well, I'm not sure if that was Darrow coming in. Um, Am I? Can you hear me now, Terry? We can oh, yeah. hear you. We can, oh. Darrow. All right. So, good, af- good afternoon, all. I'm a retired 911 dispatcher. 15 years of saying 911, what's the address of your emergency? <laughs> well, Darrow, since you're inside and we've got you tight on the bandwidth, and Desiree is keeping our stream very strong thank you desiree for being our streamer today and we've got dan newt as our host hey dan how are you both doing today i'm doing okay desiree how are you today oh she's our silent streamer we'll be okay we'll catch up with her later so darrow why don't you get us started on volunteering for wait 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 how are we doing this today getting out this message across acb radio Talk to us about ACB Radio and how many volunteers and what it takes to make this happen. Okay. Anybody listening to this call today, other than our guests, which I'm not sure about whether their volunteers are paid, all of us are all volunteers. And everything about this broadcast, whether you're with us on Zoom or whether you're with us on ACB Radio, it's all done by volunteers. And from the ACB Radio perspective, the vast majority of us are 
either uh, blind or severely visually impaired. So if you're interested in volunteering, there's lots of opportunities for you in ACB radio. We have right now, I'm going to say about 15 active volunteers. We can have more volunteers when it comes to the national convention, but we can use everybody to do everything. And it's not necessary for you to have equipment. It'd be nice if you did and you want to stream. But with the national convention coming up, we need people to do scheduling, uh, keep track of uh, programs, what needs editing, what does not need editing. There's a lot of great opportunities, and it's very rewarding to uh, volunteer for ACB Radio because here we go. We're, we're on right now, and that's the result of all our volunteer work. So if you're interested, uh, just stay on after the call if you want, if you're on Zoom, and uh, I'll be happy to chit-chat with you. Or uh, uh, the best thing to do is, is uh, support at acbradio.org. That will work. And uh, send an email to that, and somebody will get back to you if you'd like to join us. The other volunteer opportunity I'd like to talk about, which is very much related to uh, what a couple of our guests are going to be talking about today, is volunteering for disaster assistance, if you will. And what I mean by that is volunteering for the Red Cross or some other organization that does disaster management. Now, I'm not talking about the fire departments or anything like that, the frontline stuff. I'm talking about the people that run the shelters that uh, assist people in need when there's a, a natural disaster. And over the last few years, we, we can all think back to, of course, one of the really large ones was Katrina. And they took volunteers to assist from all over the country to assist in, in running the shelters, running the, you know, helping with the disasters, uh, serving meals, if you will, cooking the food, prepare, doing whatever you have to do. That to me, and I used to do that. That's a very rewarding volunteer opportunity. And the Red Cross specifically is always looking for people because they do a lot of uh, disaster management, even small disasters. They'll help people that have lost their homes because of a fire and, and they'll assist them with that. And they're always looking for more volunteers. And also in most areas of the country, there's what they call emergency management. And those people help the town officials communicate at a local level back and forth when they need to in terms of uh, disaster uh, a lot of people have specialized radios like if you happen to be an amateur radio ham radio operators do a lot of radio communication because one of the things that happened in 911 or 911 911's always on my mind is that the cell phone system got totally overloaded so if there's a big disaster that happens they're going to need other communication methods such as even family radio service uh, amateur radio, whatever you can do to help with communications, that's always needed too. And if you're interested in doing that, I would say the best place to start would be the American Red Cross. Because if, if their area, they're not responsible for it or they're not active, which is very rare, they'll put you in touch with the organization you need to talk to. You can also count, call your town hall and ask to speak to somebody in emergency management. And probably somebody will call you back and you can see if there's a, a role for you in the town's emergency management. But having done all three of those various volunteer jobs that I've talked about, it's very rewarding. And as Terry said at the beginning of the show, it fills up gaps in your resume if you're, if you're not working. Or if you're, if you're retired or just for whatever reason not working by choice, volunteer. It's a great, great opportunity. Lots of experience, lots of fun. And... Uh, it, uh, I would highly recommend it. We're going to hear some other great opportunities for volunteering this afternoon. But if you're if you 
you want to stay uh, simple, if you will, uh, there are a lot of simple things you can do. Uh, that's, that's, I guess, all I have to say there, Terry. Well, thank you, Darrow. And you brought up a lot of good points. Anywhere you volunteer, even if it's with your ACB national or your local state affiliate or your special affiliate, volunteering is very health beneficial. It helps you with your people skills, your soft skills, and your mind, body, and spirit. Because when you have a purpose, it just makes you feel whole. And there's nothing like helping thy neighbor. So on that note, I'm going to turn it over to Jay. Hey, Jay, you've got a, a guest with us today. Tell us yes, about I your do. volunteer. Well, the other, um, about a week and a half ago on Sunday, I got to go fishing. And I haven't gone fishing since I was 10 years old. Wow. This, this gentleman allowed me to do that. Dan Farrow, and he has a, uh, um, he allowed me to go out there and fish, and I got to be able to catch um, a few fishes, and I want to let him tell his story about this. Hi, my name is Dan Ferraro. I have an organization, No Excuse Hunting and Outdoors. I help people with physical and visual disabilities hunt, fish, and enjoy the outdoors. I myself am completely blind, and I love to get out and still do everything. Wow. I definitely want to hear about how to go hunting blind. Oh, it's easy. <laughs> and you got to have uh, some of the kids help us go hunt, I mean, go fishing. Oh, how was that? How big was the fish, Dan, that, that Jay caught? Was it this big or this big? It was huge. I actually, I, don't, <laughs> I, I didn't get I can I, tell you one thing. It was so big that you couldn't see from one end to the other end. <laughs> well, that's amazing. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to check on everybody fishing, but it sounds like everybody had a good time. Do you um, volunteer for camps for the vision impaired blind? Do you have an adult camp or anything that you're involved in? No, I'm not involved in any camps or anything like that. I'd like to be. Uh, I am going to be going up to the National Wild Turkey Federation Youth Hunting Camp um, just to show the kids that there are things that blind people can do that you don't normally think about. Uh, So that should be interesting. So, Dan, where are you located? I live in Queen Creek, Arizona. All right. All right. Well, you know, Jay, you'll need to hook him up with the state of Arizona state affiliate because I think he would be a great partnership. Oh, not only that, though, he has a uh, camera that allows him to go hunting also. And he has a person that helps him with the camera and lines up his either his gun or his bow. And I was surprised how fast that bow goes. It can go, his bow can go 430 feet per second. I was like totally surprised by that. Wow. That's amazing. Well, I hope someday maybe we can get you go to Omaha, Nebraska for a national convention and we can have an experience with you. Have you ever been hunting or fishing in Omaha, Nebraska? No, I haven't. Um, oh. I, I, I'm definitely not opposed to it. All right. Well, hang on after the call and maybe we can get you um, to come up there and maybe we can do an extra. That would be so much fun to get a group of us to go fishing. I know there's a lot of waterways up in Omaha, but I've never been. That would that would be easy to do. Awesome. Well, Dan, we're super excited you're here. Um, We will definitely want to have your information on our Facebook page. And if you guys have any questions and want to reach out to Dan, make sure to email us at healthcheckupacb at gmail.com, and we will definitely connect you with his information. All right, Jay. Because it was a lot of fun. 
Was fishing. it? Oh, oh it's great. Now, Dude. now, Dean, if we go fishing, do I have to unhook my fish? Because that's I, even when I was sighted, I didn't like unhooking the fish. <laughs> no, we can get somebody to help you, or even I could do it. That's not a problem. Okay, I love eating the fish. I love catching the fish. I love the tug of war. Um, mm. I'm also love to go deep sea fishing. Um, but when it comes to de-hooking, uh, it, mm, yeah, it scared me when I was vision and when I had vision and now vision impaired, I would just, yeah, it, it would be a bloody mess. <laughs> how, how, how about putting the worm on your own hook? I don't mind. Okay. I don't mind. But when you go deep sea fishing, you don't really use a worm. You really use another fish. So oh, right. Yes. Dead. I don't mind hooking it. It's when they're alive and they're wiggling and squiggling and. Yeah, I especially if it's a throwback fish, I get I get a little okay. I don't want to I don't want to injure him so he'll survive. So, but um, one time I was deep sea fishing and I threw my fish back and a big shark jumped up and ate him. I was like, really, really? <laughs> but, sure, um, wasn't Josh? No, he wasn't that big. <laughs> but anyway, I was, fi- I was fishing out of San Diego and I I ended up we were fishing for tuna and I caught a shark. They wouldn't let me bring it on the boat, though. I was mad. Oh, yeah. Man, when you catch a shark, they just take a they take a baseball bat or something and just hit it and to kill it. It's it's, it's a little scary. <laughs> um, well, it sounds like we can definitely do a whole day and a whole talk about fishing stories. So um, that's not today. <laughs> it's about volunteerism. And we thank you, Dan, for um, coming on the show and volunteering to help us experience the wilderness, um, all the things we need to do, those are important skills. And um, I know Jay was sharing all his fishing stories, and he had a really good time. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. So where, if you could go fishing or hunting anywhere in the world, where would you want to go? I want to go moose hunting. Moose hunting? Wow. Well, um, Dan Newt, what time is it? It is 2.15. All right. Perfect timing. Do you mind going over how to raise your hand? And the first couple of hands that go up will take a moment to ask Dan if there's any questions you have about hunting, fishing, um, bow and arrow, um, any wilderness adventures. Okay, so to raise your hand on a PC, it's Alt-Y. On a Mac, it's Option-Y. On a smartphone, there's a more button in the lower right corner. You double tap there and go to raise hand and double tap. On a landline phone, it's star nine. Well, until we get some raised hands in the audience, Dan, what made, what inspired you to become a volunteer to help the vision impaired blind community in learning and maintaining these skills? Well, when I lost my eyesight, I, I've always been... I've always loved the outdoors, hunting, fishing, and camping, all that. And when I lost my eyesight in a car wreck, I didn't want to give up what I liked. And I started trying to figure out ways that I could do it. And then people started asking me, well, wait a minute, you're blind. How do you hunt? Why do you hunt? And I started telling them about it. And then other people with other disabilities started asking me. And that was the start of No Excuse Hunting. I started trying to figure out ways other people could get out and hunt. Uh, fish, enjoy the outdoors. Uh, I was, I would put on yearly seminars at Bass Pro Shop, uh, things like that. Well, I like to go fishing at Bass Pro Shop because it's the tank and you see them when they bite. Oh, I'm just joking. 
<laughs> oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. No excuses. I love the name. I love the name. Yeah, no excuse Dan, hunting. No excuse hunting. Dan, I don't yep. think we have any hands. We do not. Do you have a question? I don't. Darrow? Hey, I do. Okay. Uh, I'd like to ask Dan, Dan, when you're, when you're hunting and you're using, uh, could you explain a little bit more how you actually know what you're shooting at? For example, how do you know if you go deer hunting that you're shooting at a deer rather than uh, a passerby or a dog or anything sure. like that? How does that work? Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm, obviously, I'm not out there hunting by myself. I'm, I have a hunting partner or a guide. And I use a camera system. It's from a company called Tacticam. Uh, they make hunting cameras. Uh, they're small, and they can. Uh, there's an adapter that'll fit it to my rifle scope or crossbow scope. And I'm in full control of the firearm or crossbow. And my hunting guide is looking at the image that I should be seeing through the scope on an iPhone or tablet, and he's telling me up, down, left, right, shoot when I get the crosshairs in the right spot. So far. Oh. So far, I've taken cow elk, bull elk. Uh, I took a bison in New Mexico and uh, numerous deer. Uh, it, it, it works really well. Uh, that's fascinating. Okay, Tara. Okay. I think I heard a hand get raised, Dan. Yes, Greg has his hand raised. Hey, Greg. Hey, Greg. Yeah, how's it going? Um, it sounds, uh, sounds great. I like hiking and getting out and doing things. Sounds great. I was wondering, I'm down here near Chesapeake Bay, and we got a lot of water. Uh, how are we on canoeing and kayaking? Kayaking, I always get scared I'm going to get stuck in the kayak if it turns, but I like canoeing. You'll be on the river, uh, on the water where the kayak, you know, the uh, egrets run past you and everything, all the water foul and everything. It's really nice to be out there. You know, we get barges and things on the river, so it's a little bit of a yeah, problem. Uh, my brother and I will take it out. Um, nice, we got a nice canoe. Uh, like boating, you know, things like that. So how are we doing on that? Uh, I know when you hunt, do you do any canoeing, kayaking, things like that? Or, and then, uh, I went uh, on a family trip kayaking in Iowa, and it was fun. It was a good time. I just had my uh, niece's husband was up in front. I, I actually, I was in my own kayak, and he, he was up in front in another kayak. And when he, he, he would tell me which way to paddle, and I'd paddle. Except one time he told me to paddle left, and he was looking at me, so it was his left, my right, and I left up the kayak. Uh-oh. Um, That's a problem. <laughs> but it, it was still fun. I, you know, there's people that go kayaking and tubing down the, the Colorado River in the Grand Canyon. Um, I have yet to do that, but it sounds like a good time. Uh, you were mentioning hunting. There's ducks in here in Maryland, too. A lot of people yes. go duck hunting. But I don't think I could hunt a duck, I, you know, because the poor things are just down. You can't fly away. I like I do like going up and down the river and lakes and things like that, boating. Uh, I'd like to try sailing sometime with the wind and other things like that, but never done that before. Yeah, well, the biggest thing is don't be afraid to try. Um, I mean, it, failing is always an option. Um, if you if it doesn't work one time, yeah. figure out how to redo it again differently and see if that works. That's the biggest thing yeah. I can. Well, the first thing you got to get a boat with a sail on it, sailboat instead of a canoe. Is the first thing. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that does help. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. Uh, but that's, that would be, because you're going to have to navigate, you have to have somebody with you to help you navigate some, because you don't want to hit a buoy or something like that. But right. it would be nice to be out there with just the wind pushing you along. I, you know, it's really nice out there in the, uh, when you're kayaking, canoeing things. Of course, hiking's good, too. Yeah, uh, I, I would imagine there's probably groups out there that get together and do that type of stuff that you could probably get involved with. Um, I, 
it's amazing that's, how much help is out there. Yeah, that's what I was going to recommend is just uh, Google, ask Professor Google or just reach out to a local marina and just ask, you know, is there a sail group uh, club or whatever? And just say, you know, hi, I want to experience this part of the life that you get to experience all the time. Can you help me achieve that? You'll be surprised how many people are like, yeah, we're going out right now. Why don't you get on board and let's go? So you'd be really surprised. Sounds good. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll stay, stay for the volunteer part after after it's over with. You know, I wouldn't mind doing something for ACB radio. So Awesome. Well, stick around, Greg. We appreciate you. Okay, Dan, any more hands? Nope. Okay. And before we uh, move on to our next guest, volunteer organization, um, Dan, did I hear a rumor you were an EMT? Uh, yes, I was, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> well, thank you for being one of our frontline um, responders. And, you know, May is EMS Awareness Week. So thank you very much. We're just early. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yes, thank you. Well, yeah, thank you. So I am super excited to introduce. Um, we have a guest speaker from the National Volunteer Fire Council. His name is Brian, and super excited. He is actually in Florida today, but heading back to New York. So um, he's actually only 35 minutes away from my house in the villages, but he is in New York the rest of the year. So Brian, thank you so much for all you do. And, and I'm so excited about telling us how important and the numbers and just telling us about your organization because everyone needs to be aware of how many volunteer firefighters are around. It's amazing. So Brian, I'm going to turn it over to you. Thank you for being here today. Hey, Terry, thank you very much. And, and on behalf of the uh, National Volunteer Fire Council, we thank the American Council for the Blind for considering us during Volunteer Week. I'll give you a little background about myself. I'm a 43-year member of a volunteer fire department, the Whitesboro Volunteer Fire Department. It's in central New York. A past fire chief there. I currently am the uh, captain in charge of uh, on the training division for the uh, Whitesboro Fire Department. I also sit on the National Volunteer Fire Council's executive committee, and I'm the rep from the Firemen's Association of the State of New York um, to uh, the NVFC. But also, I'm a retired school administrator. Um, and right now I currently as a vice president of the uh, Whitesboro Central School Board. So um, I know very well about the importance of, um, of working with uh, those people that are visually uh, impaired. In fact, I had a good friend of mine that worked for the Association Blind in Utica. So let me tell you a little bit about the, the volunteer fire service in this great nation. Um, the volunteers comprise 67 percent of the United States Fire Service. You know, there's over 745,000 volunteers across the country, and 82% of fire departments are staffed by either all volunteer or combination, which are mostly volunteers and some paid. Um, the small and rural communities uh, that rely mainly on volunteer responders, um, they, they, there's a wide range of, uh, of a variety of communities that um, run combination systems now because there just weren't a lot of people. No, people just aren't coming and knocking on our doors. And, you know, we all suffered through this pandemic and the, you know, there, it kind of, you know, hindered our, the way that we uh, recruit volunteers. 
So, um, you know, we are starting to get our feet back on the ground. The National Volunteer Fire Council has a wonderful website, uh, makemeafirefighter.org, for anybody that would like to volunteer. But I think some of the things that we forget is volunteer firefighters respond to a variety of incidents. They show up when somebody is having the worst day of their life. You know, some of the calls we go on might be motor vehicle crashes, uh, medical emergencies, cold 99s, uh, hazardous material spills, structure fires, um, natural disasters. Uh, our village in Whitesboro uh, over the last seven years have been struck with five major floods. Uh, and the last one destroyed pretty close to 132 homes. So, you know, we deal with a lot. And that 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 was a, uh, you know, a long time for our volunteers to, you know, be away from their families to be able to, uh, you know, mitigate that, that situation. The time donated by volunteer firefighters, um, now, there's been studies done on that. And, uh, they save localities across the country an estimated $46.9 billion per year. And uh, many, you know, just many small communities that we have stretched from, you know, the tip of Maine to, uh, to California, some of those small communities just couldn't, you know, afford switching to a career staffing. So, you know, you either have a volunteer or you have a combination with a volunteer and, and a career staff together. But there's no question in my mind that there's more volunteers that are needed. You know, I can tell you, you know, just over the, um, the last couple months, you know, uh, people understand the, the, the importance of the pandemic and what it's done to our communities. And, you know, in Whitesboro, people have been knocking on our doors and asking to come in. And, you know, it's just been a great job. We have a great leader there and our chief, George Maserati, that's been promoting, um, you know, recruitment and retention. But the call volume over the last 30 years has tripled. You know, due mainly to the significant increase in uh, emergency medical calls within my own department, eighty-two uh, percent of our calls are medical. So, um, but you know, it, it's important. You know, uh, visually impaired people can be a part of the volunteer fire service. You know, you think about it's not always just running into fires or cutting a person out of a car, but there's things that we do. A lot of our departments have auxiliary programs. You know, they where they support the firefighters. Um, you know, there's things that they can do in the administrative aspect of it. Uh, they can assist us with fundraising. They can assist us with grant writing. Um, and one of the biggest things is being part of our public fire education piece. You know, when we go into the schools and the community and, and talk to kids that are visually impaired and making sure that we do have, you know, uh, the ability to um, to educate them to the importance of are, are you ready if a fire does strike your home? Are your parents ready? Do you have the necessary tools? Are the smoke detectors the correct ones for the visually impaired? These are some things that, you know, uh, we stress when we go out into the public. Um, our community awareness projects, you know, being able to get into that community and say, hey, it doesn't matter. I'm visually impaired and I can still become a volunteer firefighter. There's so many other things for us to do. And I'll tell you, as a past fire chief, those people were very critical to me. You know, after spending about, uh, you know, six to eight hours at a major structure fire and then having them be able, you know, be able to come on the scene and provide us with either a lunch or refreshments or things like that is, you know, so important to the volunteer firefighters. So, you know, there are some things that are out there volunteering with the fire department. Let me tell you something. It's rewarding. It's impactful. It's a great way to give back to the community. And it's, it's, it's added benefits, you know, to make you better and to make our community better. So this being, you know, volunteer week here in, in, uh, in the United States of America, you know, the importance of being able to say, hey, 
nothing's going to stop me from volunteering now is so important. So I, I appreciate this opportunity. I, I stood in for our interim CAO, uh, Chief Kevin Quinn, right now, who's on another uh, Zoom with our membership committee. But it was great. I appreciate it. I appreciate all you do. And uh, I want to thank you for uh, allowing me to be on today. Oh, thank you, Brian. Thank you for all the things you do. Um, one question. I did um, do a little bit of research and I saw the app, uh, the video about the app. Would that be a good source for us to look at volunteering? Would they be um, positions in there for us not to run into fires? Um, I try to prevent fires. I don't use candles anymore. I just lost my vision three years ago. <laughs> sure. And, now, you know, you know, there's some of the maybe. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Trace. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. Is that no. app a good source for us? And do you want to talk about the app? Because there might be someone here who has a son or daughter or nephew or neighbor or someone. I know the target ages that you're looking for volunteer fighter fires is 18 to 34. Um, I know a lot of firefighter volunteers are legacy um, where their mom or dads and their families have been in there. But um, what if we know someone who's 18 to 34 that, you know, don't really know what they want to do in life? How'd, talk about well, the well, app. Sure. I mean, the app is great, but I would drive them to their local volunteer fire department, have them stop in there, contact the chief or one of the officers, but make me a firefighter.org. Uh, is a great website to go because that will collect the information that's needed and shared with the, with the fire departments and so on and so forth. But uh, you know, that, that, and, and there's videos. I mean, we have, we have a great resource on the mvfc.org website uh, where you can see some of the things that we do. Uh, what's one of the great things is that we've done is uh, we've really built up our webinar and training online training. And a lot of it's been stemmed because of what happened, on, you know, back in March 13th when the world has really did change. So there's opportunities out there. If you work, you know, so people would say, hey, you know, I work eight hours a day. I come home. I've got to take care of the kids and so on and so forth. But there's other opportunities for you to be able to fit in because there's so much more than just running into a burning building when others are running out. But I would drive them to the makemeafirefighter.org website or um, just pick up the phone and call the MVFC. Um are you verbally giving us consent to be able to post some of your YouTube videos on our Facebook page? I'm going to turn that over to Kimberly because she, <laughs> she handles that for us. I know she's still listening. So uh, I will work with you just step in here. Um, absolutely. You're welcome to use any of those materials uh, from our website. And um, like you said, that make me a firefighter.org site does have both, um, both those operational firefighter and EMT opportunities, as well as those support um, opportunities as well. So it's a great way to get connected to the department. Um, and if you don't find a local department, like Brian said, just go ahead and, and call your local fire department or stop by. Um, they're always looking for volunteers, so they'll be happy to tell you what opportunities are available. Thank you. Now, this is a question to the both of you. Do you know what the possibility, now I'm in Florida, so there's not as many volunteer firefighters around um, does it help to have that on your resume if you want to become a career volunteer? And for those that you are out there, career volunteer means you get paid. Um, does it help on the resume? Uh, let me tell you, it doesn't hurt. You know, it, re it really doesn't hurt to have the experience and the training when you're going into it. But um, many of the career fire departments uh, run their own training programs. Like I believe right here in the villages, they run a, a six to eight week training program here. 
uh, back in the New York. I have a good friend of ours, a good friend of mine that was a junior, a junior member. He's actually 21 right now, and he's going through a program that's three months to be a firefighter. So, you know, those vary, but, uh, you know, the training you're going to get is, is it, it kind of whets your appetite to move it to a new career. And, you know, you wouldn't believe how many people, you know, join the volunteer fire service just because their friend joined or it looked like the cool thing to do. And they advance themselves to a career position. You know, I think that's great. I think it's I think it's fantastic The the uh, young gentleman I was talking to you about joined when he was uh, 16 years old. And uh, he just uh, loved what he was doing. He loved helping people. He's actually attending that three-month academy, and he's also doing his EMT at the same time. So uh, all the training, you cannot stop somebody from training because you know how it is. When we were here, the more education you get, the smarter you're going to get and the better you're going to get. Because someday you're going to have to know something, and that's what you learned in training. That is so The other thing is with this is that you get to know whether you can go into a fire or not, because we, our department, when I was on it, was a volunteer, uh, volunteer paper call department. Mm -hmm. And we had some people that would come, you know, they would uh, join and they would on their first call, uh, some would love it. And other people found out that they didn't like it as well. This way you get to find out before you actually, you know, you know, spend the time to be make it a career, but you can always find other things to do on a fire. There's tons of stuff, whether it be an inside, outside, uh, being the engineer, all kinds of different things to do. Without a doubt, Jay, you brought up some good, you know, some good points. You know, in, in our department, we classify people as an exterior firefighter or an interior firefighter because that's what they want to do. And as Jay said uh, previously, there's so many things for them to do. Ladder the building, grab the hoses, you know, hit the hydrant. You know, for to be able to have these people go in and uh, put their lives on the on the on the line and go in and rescue people, or, you know, put the fire out. So there are there are so many things for them to do. Well, it's just amazing, and I don't know if we have anybody in the audience that have any questions. Um, it is please um, raise your hand. Um, Brian and Kimberly in the back may may or may not answer questions, <laughs> but Brian, you're doing a fantastic job. Um, Thanks. I, uh, that's because I have a good person like Kimberly there backing me up. Yeah, yeah. And that's what the key is. Um, together, together is making dreams work. You can't do anything alone. And it takes a team um, to fight a blaze, uh, to resuscitate, um, to educate. I know probably one of the opportunities that I volunteer for in my community, I live in Kings Ridge, where um, there's 2,200 homes. And so I help organize. Um, we do the disaster preparedness um, fair. But it was delayed this year where we get ready for hurricanes and fires and, um, you know, just getting information, making everyone's registered for Smart 911. And I stopped volunteering when my vision went. And they're like, why did you stop volunteering? I said, well, I don't know what I can do. And they're like, we know you can still talk. <laughs> You know, it's, it's pretty neat. It's it's pretty neat uh, when you talk about it, Terry, because, you know, we talk about the National Volunteer Fire Council. When I got involved just about 10 years ago now, I mean, I was focused on New York State. There's more than just New York State. I mean, you get out to Washington, you're dealing with wildland fires, you know, and you get down to Florida, you see what you're dealing with down here. So, I mean, just across the country, the tornadoes that ripped through Alabama and Tennessee and 
up through that way. I mean, you deal with so many different people that bring to the table such unique experiences that make you a better person. It is. And um, when the three hurricanes, Charlie, Irene, and the other one came through Orlando, um, it was amazing. Um, Tide has this semi truck that's full of washers and dryers. And I volunteered to do laundry for my team at the hospital because we had no power for two months and we needed to wash our clothes. So I volunteered to wash clothes on my days off to help one of each other for we could keep working in the hospital. So you never know when you need to volunteer. Are there any hands up, Dan? Yes, Beth has her hand raised. Beth from New Mexico. Yeah, hi. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Yeah, you're... um... Your um your other person there um that said that they went hunting and fishing in, in New Mexico. Um but okay, that's cool. Um you said that there was a lot of volunteer stuff for for um visually impaired to do um in the volunteer fire department Brian. Brian? That's it. She was asking what kind of roles in the volunteer fire department. She lives in New Mexico. Okay. Uh, you know, roles yeah, what kind of roles in. could a visually impaired person um, uh, play there? Because usually jobs like that, they would tell you, oh, you, you need to see to do, you know, stuff. Well, let me ask you a question. That, that could be just the people over here, you know? Sure. I mean, I mean there's so many things you can do. You can assist us with uh, fundraising you know, putting some things together and uh, helping us promote the fire department and, uh, you know, helping us build our funding. You can help uh, at fires by uh, serving, you know, drinks and food and stuff like that to the volunteer firefighters. You can help us in schools by promoting the importance of uh, fire safety with visually impaired people. Um, you know, and you know, some administrative tasks you can help us with. Uh, there's just, you know, some other things you have to do that you don't have to put gear on or a helmet or a pack or, or a coat or pants on. I mean, for to go into a structure fire, you know, there's other administrative duties that you can do for sure. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be bad. Oh, I wouldn't even mind putting a helmet and stuff on like that either, but, <laughs> but that wouldn't be bad administrative duties. That would be really good. Yeah. Sure. Do, you, do you know the closest fire volunteer station is to you, Beth? Yeah, probably here in Alamogordo. So, Brian, what is a good way for somebody to reach out to their local volunteer fire department? Where do they find that out? Uh, actually, some of, the, some of the important ways that you can find who your volunteer fire department is, is that correct? I mean, you can contact your 911 center, your, your office of emergency, not, not 911 itself. Uh, it's just the, the office of emergency management. You'll be able to find out some information there. Check their website out. They may have it. Or talk to your neighbor. Brian, I'm not sure what's occurring, but you um, you are sounding like you're on a on the sh- rocket that just launched from Kennedy Space Center this afternoon. Um, would three one one be appropriate to call? Because that puts you with the local government of your three one one. Would that be a good place to start? Uh, I, I, that would be a, gr- a great way to you know to talk. But I would you know your your office of emergency management would probably be the best place for you to start. Okay. So for those of you guys that may not hear Brian, that's the emergency management office. And you can look that up. You can call your non-emergency number 
um, for police or fire and a lovely dispatcher. It won't be Darrow. He's retired now. Um, we'll be glad to assist you with the phone number and get you connected. And that's another thing, you know, you know, volunteerism is everywhere. Um, I am amazed today. My neighbor went to the store and she didn't even ask me. She just knocked on the door and goes, here is some things for you. And (laughs) she picked up three items that it's on my regular shopping list. And I just haven't had an opportunity to go to the store. Um, I have some family stuff going on and it was just amazing. And I just said, thank you. You're a blessing. Um, So being a volunteer, um, I try to do something every day for a neighbor. On Tuesdays, it's garbage day. So Duke and I, we walk. And when I see a blob, I know it's somebody's trash can. I just take the moment and wheel it up to the garage door. And I do that around my whole neighborhood as we're walking. And people get the biggest kick out of it. And when they don't see me do it, they're like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I just didn't feel good today. (laughs) So you would be surprised at what you can do. And it makes you feel so good. It builds your confidence mm-hmm. up. And all I have to say is volunteerism is amazing. If you've never, ever done it, I encourage you to get up and move towards volunteerism. ACB community, holy caramba, look at how many hosts we have that are volunteers. There's over 100. Um, all of the facilitators, all of us that do calls, we don't get paid. We do this out of our hearts because we just want to volunteer and share. And, you know, we have, what, 90, over 90 calls a week. Um, it is amazing. ACB Radio, thank you to all those convention coordinators, uh, Tyson, and all the streamers and the hosts and just everybody. Um, Desiree, thank you for being our streamer today. Another great place to volunteer is your community. Um, there's a lot of things going on in your community. As I said, sometimes there's um, community watch. Um, I'm not very good at that since I can't see, but I have a video <laughs> surveillance camera around my home. So I registered it. Um, so I have my eyes out there. Um, you know, being aware of emergencies, of how to establish communication. Um, it's, it's volunteerism is endless, endless opportunities. And what I'd like to do is ask for people to share what they volunteer for. So I even volunteered when I was working in the neonatal ICU um, to hold babies and help feed them. Um, when I got off shift for an hour because I worked at one of the largest neonatal units in uh, Orlando, Honor Palmer Hospital. We had over 140 babies in there. Um, It's even grown now. And, you know, that's a lot of babies to feed. And I would volunteer to rock the babies and feed them. And so the hospital, a fantastic place to volunteer, just not right now in a pandemic. So, and most hospitals, when you're a volunteer, um, you get free, you get free food, you get free food when you volunteer and, um, you always are in a pair so you can still help out at a hospital. And again, like Brian stated, training is always important and they will train you and figure out where 
your skill set and where they can use you. Dan, thank you so much for volunteering to help keep us aware that we have no excuse to get out there, no excuse hunting (laughs) to get out there and keep those skills up because someday we might not have a refrigerator or supermarket. We kind of experienced that almost this year, right? And the food's organic. And the food, definitely organic. Definitely. I'm definitely going to call you up and say, let's go, let's go hunting. Um, So I am super excited. Do we have any hands up to share? Yes. Pam's hand is raised. Is that Pam? Yes. Good afternoon. Good Um, afternoon. Thanks for being here with us. And thanks for all your volunteerism. Well, um, I still do a little bit of volunteering with, uh, church groups that I'm in. Um, I For a long time, I was a mental health association volunteer, and I loved it. Uh, this was a program through the county mental health association that people who were not institutionalized, they were outpatients, and they were trying to you know, um, trying to manage in the community. And this was strictly a social, recreational, that sort of thing. We were not um, professionals, um, those of us that volunteered. We were not wearing white coats and all that scary stuff. Um, And it was just so much fun. Unfortunately, I had to give it up. There were a number of factors involved. But I loved doing that. We would sing. We would play games. We would, I'd take my guitar with me. We would do all that. Some of them wanted to learn how to play guitar. So, you know, we did some of that. We played games. Just If they just wanted to talk, we did that. Um, and we would listen. So um, that's my volunteer story. And, and I'm still... Uh, in ACB, I'm the secretary of my local ACB chapter. And go ahead and give um, an announcement. Which chapter are you with? I am with the Greater Birmingham chapter. That's right. We're going to get together and go course, have some dream ribs. Every chapter has its officers, and they are volunteers. And every chapter needs more could use more members exactly and our community would not be as strong as it is without all those volunteers we outnumber (laughs) we outnumber the paid ones for sure (laughs) yes yeah absolutely um i don't know if belinda is here is there someone here belinda cindy's assistant she was yes Yes, hey belinda i'm so glad you're here Oh, man, we're just embracing all this volunteerism. So tell us about your volunteerism and how you're doing an internship. And we're so glad you decide to pick ACB and, you know, talk to us about what it would be like, Cindy, and the Zoom world of ACB without volunteers. Okay, so for me, I um, I've known about ACB for quite a long time and I've just been due to personal things in my life I just wasn't able to connect like I wanted to and so last summer 
during the uh, virtual convention. I did not register, but I was able to attend uh, some of the events or listen to them through ACB radio. And at the end of the um, convention, there was a virtual, like a Zoom, I guess it would be called like an after party thing where people just shared their thoughts and feelings about the convention. And it was very moving to me. Um, Even a lot of new people like myself who just joined, you know, just stumbled upon the convention we were able to share our thoughts, and it was very inviting. Uh, the atmosphere was very inviting, and it really moved me just immediately to, you know, want to participate in the community and want to volunteer if I could. Um, I started out uh, the next day by joining BITS, uh, the Blind Information Technology um, Group, and I joined them, but I was a little shy and just got a part. I just started coming to some of the community calls, uh, which kept growing and growing. And eventually I decided, you know, I've, I've got to step out of the, <laughs> get, get from out of the shyness and get into, you know, maybe doing some volunteer work. So I contacted Cindy and asked if I could do some host training. Uh, and I did that. I went through training and started hosting calls. I believe it was in early October. And at that point, uh, the community calls each month, as we know, they kept growing and growing and we needed more volunteers, more hosts. And uh, uh, by December, I was at the same time, I was taking a assistive technology program. I was doing that at world services for the blind in little rock, Arkansas. And I, um, was doing that at the same time. So I graduated from that and I, <clears throat> I needed an internship, um, just doing something. So I knew the community was quickly growing and I contacted Cindy and asked her, Hey, can I, uh, volunteer more? Is there, are there any more things that I can do? And, um, uh, long story short, it turned into what has been an awesome internship. Uh, I started, interning on February 8th and just basically helping with the weekly and daily schedule. Um, that is a job that is very, it, it's something that you don't know, you don't really understand until you're in that position. It's, uh, it's not difficult, but it definitely is time consuming and there's a lot to learn. So um, I have enjoyed the internship so far and when my internship is over, I plan to continue volunteering in the community, whether it's, uh, you know, just any, any area that I can get access to to volunteer. That's my goal. I just want to stay in ACB and help out as much as possible. So that's my story. And I'm glad to be here. And thank you for the opportunity. Oh, well, thank you. Um, do you know how many... I don't know the exact numbers of people that are just facilitators. I know Janine Lee is um, just not, I hate saying just, but she's a prime facilitator. (laughs) Um, I know a lot of us are hosts slash facilitators. All three of us on this call are all uh, ACB official hosts and Uh went through the, um, that training period. But do you know of how many we have that are simply facilitators? I don't know the actual number, but I can say, uh, based on next week's schedule so far, we haven't 
completed it, but next week we have at least uh, 94 events scheduled. So that takes a lot of facilitators and a lot of hosts. <laughs> it sure does. So we appreciate um, all the hard work that all the volunteers do in ACB. Um, everyone from Dan Spoon to every president, every vice president, every secretary, every treasurer, every board of directors, um, of every single affiliate, every state. Um, there are not that many paid positions in ACB, are there, Belinda? Right, right. Would you say less than just an estimate? Like, Yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure, but yeah. I know for sure that there are tons of volunteers and that's what makes it keep going. Right. Yeah, so we're like the fire we're like the firefighters of ACB. <laughs> There's more of us than there are uh, of the paid ones, the career ACB members. Um, but anyways, well, thank you so much, and it's exciting all the convention, and and I'm looking forward to meeting you in Omaha, Nebraska next year. Since absolutely, since our conference this year is going to be virtual, but. Everyone start counting those pennies up um, and let's get to Omaha, Nebraska. Dan, what's the time? 2.57. 2.57? Wow. You know, Where did the time a, go? Yeah, I don't know. Jay, it does this to us every week. We, we go, how are we going to fill up an hour? And then Dan goes, it's 2.57. So I just want to say to everybody, get up and move and volunteer somewhere today. Even if it's just to help your neighbor. Now, I do have to say there is one volunteer action that I've had to stop in my new community. And I used to walk. Well, now I don't see him very well. Um, the newspapers in the driveway. When I used to get off work from the hospital, I would just walk around and pick up the newspaper and take them to the front door. But that's actually used to make sure that the homeowner is okay. And <laughs> so be careful on what you volunteer for. <laughs> you might want to ask. Um, again, want to say thank you to Dan for being for no excuse hunting. We're going to make sure we're going to get your information posted. Brian and Kimberly, thank you so much from the National Volunteer Fire Council um, for making our community safe and strong. And we'll make sure your information is posted on our Facebook and we will get a copy of this broadcast to you guys. Um, Darrow, any last minute words? Yes. We've only touched the uh, tip of the iceberg. There are plenty of other volunteer organizations to get involved with church groups. Tam Pam Coffin made me think of that. Plenty of opportunities for people to volunteer and it's so, so needed. Oh, yeah. Schools and nursing homes. And oh, it's just everywhere. We just right now, volunteerism is going to be picking back up uh, since we're all getting um, healthier and the world is getting healthier. Yeah, you got Jay, your PTA, PTOs, um, all kinds of different things. Not just get involved with it, but also if there's something that's out there, like the fishing. If I wasn't out there to be a volunteer to, you know, he, you know, also volunteer to be out there, get out there and enjoy life. Right. It's great. Which is one of the things I used to volunteer for SeaWorld. I was part of their rescue team where if a dolphin or a whale or some kind of animal in the water, um, until they're able to get help, you have to get into the ocean and hold them up 
and keep them afloat where they can continuously breathe and move them. Um, that was really fun. So if you live near a marina or near water and you love to be in the water, um, I really you don't need to see to do that. It's after three o'clock. Oh, thank you, Darrow. So on that note, everybody, thank you so much. Um, we will see you guys sooner than later. Keep touch. Have a great one.